Welcome to Spooky Scary Skellingtons, <laughs> Volume 5. <laughs> Sometimes they say the fifth one's better than all the rest, and I guess we'll find That's out right. tonight. And every, tonight. In every movie series, the fifth one is always the best one. I feel like, oh god, if we're comparing it to like Halloween 5. I don't even know which one Halloween 5 would be. Exactly, no one knows. Halloween 3 is is Season of the Witch, and that one is really good. Is that the one where it doesn't have Michael Myers? Yeah. Uh, Halloween yeah. 5 is the revenge of Michael Myers. Okay, okay. And it doesn't even have um, Jamie Lee Curtis in it, so... That doesn't surprise me. I think she left like after the second one. Probably. And then she came back because mm-hmm. she's like, money! Um, I no, she was she was doing fine. In I mean, in other movies, right? She was in all sorts of shit. Yeah, but she came back like recently. Like, yeah, because she because Activia is not paying the bills. Right, that's what I'm saying. She needs yeah, money. She's she's shitting herself too much, and she's much. wearing out her pants, and she's got to get new pants. Her pants bill because of Activia is offsetting her Activia paychecks. And on that note, uh, thank you all for joining us tonight. Um, as always, I've got my... What do I, what do I want to call you? Scare, scare cohort, cohort in general? I don't know. No. Uh, no. We got our producer and seducer, Todd, in the background recording. Uh, Jim has, of course, decided to join me on this spooky journey once Hi. again. Five years in a row. Five this is the wood anniversary, Jeff. Um, I didn't get you anything. I'm sorry. I didn't get you anything. Well, we'll figure it out later. Mm-hmm. I have, I have, I have scary tales for you. I have, I have potentially scary tales for you too. So I, I have scary we'll tales, and and I was I when, when I was writing my story. Yes, guys, I wrote a story. It's the first story I've written since high school. Everyone um, applaud applaud i was thinking about you and i'm like jeff's like really thinking about how to alliterate his words and his stories and i'm just like i literally went to a coffee shop with pen and paper and wrote my story <laughs> just like <laughs> no rough draft i'm just gonna i wrote I it don't... once i i haven't even read it i haven't even read my draft yet but i'm i'm gonna read it to you <laughs> So when I when I write it, it literally I just I put on um like an ambient like background noise. Yeah, oh yeah, like I listen I, to Dungeon Synth. Yeah, absolutely. So, but that's that's it. And I just literally sit there for a couple minutes and I'll think about what I want to write and I'll just go. And it just mm-hmm. But that being said, uh for those who are tuning in, uh, spooky scary skeletons, first off, happy Halloween because we traditionally release this on Halloween. <laughs> Um, for those who are tuning into the live stream, you're getting this a little bit early, so happy Spooktober to you. Uh, and first off, we do have a little bit of just completely random news out of the ether. Um, Silent Hill is back, of all things. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm excited. I, I admit I'm excited. I, you know, Silent Hill 2 is, is my favorite horror game of all time. Um, and you know, we got a slew of things. Now there's a couple ways 
is you can think about this. Are they doing too much? Is is this is this property going to be involved in too many things? Um, you know, some people think they are, but I from what it looks like is um, they've got different teams working on a little bit of everything, and and I'm excited. In 2012, um, they did they released a Vita game, Book of Memories. They released a game called Downpour, which I don't remember what it was for. They released the Silent Hill 2, or Silent Hill and Silent Hill 2 HD remake, which ended up being not very good. And then they did something else. It was like four things. So people are comparing what's going on now with Silent Hill to what happened 10 years ago. Um, and people are like, those games are shit. And ah, it sucks because if, if anybody has a Vita or anybody has the ability to play Vita games, play Silent Hill Book of Memories. It's a good-ass game. Um, but yeah, that's my tirade on that. I'm excited because we do have a Silent Hill 2 full-on remake uh, not a not a you know a port, not a not a remaster. It's a full on remake. Timed exclusive for PlayStation Five. Yes, which I'll play it on PC for sure because I'm not going to get a PS Five for this. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, I'm excited for that. Uh, it looks very clean. It looks very you know current gen, uh, which is nice. There's another game called Silent Hill Townfall. Um, I don't know much about it. There is an announcement trailer that you can watch. It's not. It's only a minute long. Um, but it's like a unique take on the Silent Hill franchise. It is coming from a highly decorated double A uh, developer. Um, uh, no Code Studios. Uh, so stories untold fame, you know. Um, then there is Silent Hill Ascension, which I am completely confused by. It. It almost sounds like it's an MMO type thing, maybe even a VR MMO in, in the Silent Hill world. I'm not sure. Uh, and then there's a movie, which uh, the second Silent Hill movie is one of the worst movies I've, I've literally ever seen. So, but I really liked the first Silent Hill movie. I don't, do you, did you like that movie? Um, I like this. The f I've I like the first one. I yes. we watched the second one in theaters, and that wasn't that great. Same. It was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Yeah, the it, just, one, it wasn't wonderful. The thing I am most excited for, um, as much as I am excited to play a Silent Hill two remake, uh, there's a game called Silent Hill F coming out, um, and it's a spinoff, and it is set in 1960s Japan. Um, and it's, it's, it's written by a, a person who has made quite a bit of acclaimed, uh, visual novels. Um, Higurashi Umaneko, really, really good writer, but it's, you know, it's going to be like a psychological horror. Some screenshots are out there. There's a two minute trailer you can watch. It honestly reminded me of like a fatal frame type aesthetic, but I am very excited for that game. Um, for sure. But yeah, that's, yeah, so, I mean, Hey, might as well do some video game news while we're here. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a good day for horror. Yes. It's um, always a good day for horror. So, you know, there is that. Um, do, um, so I believe we're going to get the stream updated if possible. 
currently says we're yes, still we are not scorn. playing scorn obviously yeah i think i think todd's got us so uh don't worry about that but uh, layers uh injury layers of fear 2 is legit awesome um i really like layers of fear 2 so yeah i like i'm totally fine look if any announcement in the video game world is made there's going to be a sect of people that are going to be pissed off just because they can be pissed off. So I, I don't yeah. care. I, I'm at the point where I don't care anymore. Uh, one was one was excellent, too. Both of them are really good games. Um, I think I played two first. That's probably why I like that one more. Uh, but yeah, nope. Uh, I'm excited. So I think it'll be interesting. We'll just have to see mm-hmm. how it all comes to fruition. Also, Resident Evil apparently had their... Or they're going to have their own type of presentation uh, yep. later on this mm-hmm. week. So lots of horror stuff coming down the pipeline. Um, so now that being all said, uh, let's I guess jump into our spooky tales. Um, I'm going to be going first. Uh, this is a story that I wrote. It is going to be a little long, um, and I apologize if my stories get longer and longer each year. <laughs> It it's just because you're happens. getting more, more comfortable writing. They flow out. Um, kind of. It's kind of one of those things where I'll just keep going and I'm not sure where I'm going to stop. So right. that's one of those things. Uh, this story is called The Tavern. Outside the tavern called the Copper Ox, the weather was absolutely dreadful. The thick rain beat against the three-story building in a deluge that seemed to make the roof itself grown under its weight it was freezing too unusually so for this time of year and thus everyone had rushed inside to seek shelter and warmth both from the roaring fire in the hearth and from the potions the barkeep made from spirits and dusty glasses inside the tavern the atmosphere was rowdy and boisterous everyone was having a good time old gents were swapping war stories which had nothing to do with the war but were about events at home There were a few tables where women were doing the same, clinking together tankards of malt beer and other stronger tinctures, laughing uproariously. The barkeep, a woman only known by the name Triss, smiled as she wiped some glasses down. Business was always good when the weather was shit, but damn was it ever so fine tonight. Her eyes swept over the tavern, recognizing a fair few folks who were regulars, some out-of-towners. Plinth, her Sir, her only server that night came up with a tray and a weary expression. Table four needs some more stout. I swear they're going to bleed us dry. Triss poured a few more tankards and slapped them on the tray. If we run out, we run out. By that time, they'll be so drunk we can substitute other things, she said, her eyes gleaming dangerously. Like that Bowager ale we just can't get rid of. Plinth smiled and took the tray away, disappearing into the crowd. Triss swiped the counter with a wet rag and was in the middle of wiping away a stray bit of beer when there was a ringing crash of ceramic meeting the floor. The crowd immediately came to a hush, and Triss looked up confused. Suddenly, all eyes were on her as she walked from behind the bar over towards the table in the far corner, where a man was slumped over, his arm drifting back and forth lazily. On the floor were the remains of a mug. It's all right. He's clearly had too much to drink. Everybody carry on, said Triss Lally, waving her hands. 
There was a quiet murmur, and then the murmur grew to a loud buzzing as the conversations began again, as if nothing had even happened. Triss studied the man. He was old, a long gray beard poking out from under his flat cap, which now lay askew. He was dressed in a black vest and brown trousers, shoes polished to a heavy shine. Gently, she got closer to the man and tapped him on the shoulder. He did not react. Hey, mate, she said in a soft voice. Come on, I think you've been drinking a bit too much. Still, he did not move, and Triss's heart began to beat louder in her chest. Sir? She whispered, now prodding him very hard. He did not react even still. Plinth had now come over, obviously concerned. What's wrong? I think... I think he might be dead, she said hoarsely. Plinth looked at her with a quick glance, and taking both of his hands, pushed the man's shoulders so that he sat upright. Triss made a small yelp as she saw the whites of his eyes, his mouth hanging slack-jawed. He was, indeed, dead. Before she could react further, the front door opened with a crashing bang, which startled Triss even further. Framed in the doorway was a man, which was in a not in itself peculiar. What was peculiar was that he looked exactly like the dead man who was not more than a few feet from her. Everything from the beard down to the shoes was precisely the same, not one detail different. Triss was shocked, but no one else was. Plinth was too busy looking at the dead body. The crowd around them were all knocking back drinks and merriment. The man shut the door and began to walk over to Triss and Plinth, who stood stock still. I see you met my doppelganger, said the man in a serene voice, gesturing towards the dead man. This is our night, after all. Triss stared at him, completely confused. Uh, what now? Doppelganger. There are always two of us in the world, but only one can survive in close proximity to the other. I just happened to survive while he did not. He said this that this was the most natural thing in the world. Don't worry, he'll be gone by morning. May I have a beer, please? It's been a very long journey. He sat down at the table opposite the dead man, clasping his fingers together. Uh... Said Plinth, should, should I ask him to leave? He whispered to Triss. Triss's mouth was agape, and it took her a few moments to shake her head. N no, just, uh, just go get him some beer. Plinth nodded quickly, his eyes darting between the man and the dead man across from him as he walked away. My name is Benjamin, by the way, the man said after Plinth walked away. What is yours? Uh, Triss. Triss. Interesting name. I do wonder what yours will be. I'm sorry, she said confused. My name is Triss. Benjamin turned to her and smiled. I met your doppelganger, dear. <clears throat> A chill struck Triss's heart. I don't know what you're talking about. He smiled wider, all in good time. Plinth came back to the table, nervously shaking as he set the beer down. I can call the authorities, he whispered to Triss in her ear. She shook her head. A dead body was bad business. Besides, no one had appeared to kill him. Or had they? There was another crashing noise, and the crowd went quiet again. A woman had fallen backward in her chair, rushing over to her. Triss knew in her heart someone was already dead. Panic began to ensue. The crowd clearly noticed what had happened this time. Is this... is this poison? roared someone. Of course not, yelled Triss. That... that man, she said, pointing towards Benjamin. He's doing something peculiar. However, no one seemed to care. Everyone was in panic, scrambling to grab their jackets that rushed out the doors, hugs and liquid sloshing everywhere as they were knocked to the ground. 
Triss stood rooted to the spot, and Plinth was pressed up against the wall, very pale. Benjamin grinned wider and wider. Only the strong survived, Triss, he said, raising his mug. I hope you survive till morning. He looked at the clock. It was nearly 4.30 a.m. already. The storm was still coming down heavily, and the door opened again. The bar was now empty except for the three people who were still alive and the two bodies who were not. An exact duplicate of the woman who had died stood in the doorway, taking off her long gloves. Looking over towards Benjamin, she waved. It finally feels good to take control, she declared, laughing. The laughter then left her face as she dropped dead to the floor. What the fuck is happening, screamed Triss. Benjamin looked confused and then shrugged. Sometimes there's two, sometimes three. I lose track of them from time to time. I just tell them where to go. Why are they all coming here? Honestly, said Benjamin, he said looking around. I didn't pick the place. He did. Triss, I don't... I don't feel so good, said Plith now clutching his chest. Don't... Don't you dare, Plith, she said hoarsely. Plinth gasped and cried out on pain as he fell to the floor. She didn't go bother she didn't bother to go check. She knew he was dead. Moments later the door opened again, and Pseudo Plinth stood in the doorway, his nose wrinkling in disgust as he pushed the woman's dead body away with his foot. Oh heavens, how revolting, he said. Benjamin, there's about three more coming, I think. Benjamin reached into his vest and pulled out a pocket watch. Yes, that seems about right, he said, nodding. You can either take over what he was doing or go about your way. Either way, you'll need to return to this spot annually. Pseudo Plinth grimaced. Annually? Only way to keep your life force going permanently, I'm afraid. Chris finally found her voice again. What the fuck are you? Benjamin looked at her. I told you. Doppelgangers. No, what are you really? He paused <coughs> deep in thought. Some of us call, some call us shapeshifters demons i guess look all you really need to know is that we're born into the world with one purpose kill or be killed if we survive we live forever say it said pseudo plinth dreamily but only one can survive said benjamin holding up one finger one that is the natural order of things we just take our chances where where do you come from how are you killing people said triss Benjamin sighed. Look, I really don't feel like explaining this. It's not like you have long anyways. You're in my fucking tavern. I have a right to know. Benjamin paused at this, took another swig of his beer, and sighed. Nature doesn't like when the two of us get together. She's a nasty bitch. So our souls fight for the physical space. One wins. Usually us. That's it. The door opened and two more figures came in. She recognized them as the patrons from the tavern, those who had run away earlier. One man, one woman. Two more joined the fold. Welcome, brother and sister, said Benjamin. What now? I don't know where mine went, said the man. Feel it out. You'll find them, said Benjamin, gesturing towards the doorway. Pseudo Plinth walked towards the bar, and Triss broke a mug, holding the shards in her hands as she to fight. You don't move another inch, she said. Pseudo Plinth held up his hands. I'm just going to keep working as if I always have, lady. There's no need for alarm. You're a goddamn monster, she whispered. Pseudo Plinth wrinkled his nose and then laughed. Years of waiting to take my natural spot in the world, and yet I am still called a monster. What a night. Triss suddenly felt pain in her chest. 
and she cried out in agony, dropping the mug on the floor. Benjamin stood up abruptly, grinning. Yes, finally. Her eyes began to water. It was like the pain of a thousand needles hitting her skin. And then suddenly it was over. Heaving, she caught her breath and looked up. Benjamin looked terrified. No, no, he screamed. He rushed out of the tavern and into the street, the other two patrons following. There, in the middle of the street, even with the rain, was the unmistakable figure of someone who looked just like Triss. Collapsed on the ground, she was holding her chest, her face a blank sheet of shock. What on earth did you do? hissed Benjamin. Never have I heard of an original killing their doppelganger. You... you said sometimes we win. I lied, said Benjamin quietly. The rain lit up and Triss looked up at the sky. There is a faint hint of pinkness poking through the clouds and light began to stream gently. He looked down and pseudo Triss was gone, no trace of her on the ground. Benjamin and the others quietly began to back away. This place is cursed, whispered Benjamin. We cannot return. The other patrons stared at him, but what about our life force? We need to come. We cannot fucking risk it, said Benjamin, hissing. We will find another way. And just like that, the three doppelgangers ran away. Triss stood there for a moment and then went back inside. Pseudoplinth was picking up pieces from the floor. Get the fuck out, she said. No doppelgangers allowed. He looked up at her in shock. You... you survived? But how? Guess we'll never know, she said. Pseudoplinth stared at her and then in fear bolted out of the front door. The place was a wreck, and Triss began to shake violently as the events of that evening began to crash over her in waves. Looking back at the table where the old man had died, there was a scrap of paper and something on top of it, something that she hadn't noticed before. She slowly walked over to it and picked it up. It was a crystal of some sort. Pocketing it, she picked up the piece of paper and saw that it was a tarot card of the fool. Turning it over, there was a scribble on the back. Fear not the one who looks like thee, for I poisoned her first. Now you must do the same for me. Great must be your thirst, for there are always three. Triss slowly put the tarot card down with trembling hands. The doorway creaked and in walked a man who looked just like Benjamin. Hello, I'm John. I must be late, he said, with great concern, looking around the room. No, John, she said, reaching into her pocket for the crystal. I'd say you're right on schedule. The end. So, so did they each have, did they each have three? There are always three. Ah, uh, that was good. I liked it. Thank you. I'm going to start calling everybody pseudo their name. <laughs> yeah, that was, um... That was interesting to uh, to read and write. Because <laughs> I didn't know what else to call the second one. And I was like, oh, man, I guess it's the second, you know, the fake one. Yeah, imposter. Yeah, that, yeah. But then, but then it's like, oh, it's like Among Us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very good. So. It's always very well written, Jeff. I'm, uh, I, it, mine is, is so the opposite of that. You'll see in a second. <laughs> Go for it. Okay, all right, everybody. Um, my my story is called Only Feet. 
<clears throat> this is also the first time I've ever read an original story on this podcast. This is also the first original story I've written since like I had to in high school. So it's not going to be good, <laughs> just so y'all know. But well, I wanted uh, to do it. Big about boundaries here, man. This is the fifth right, episode. Right. Go for it. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> all right. Miriam was fiercely independent. She's the type that even though she has a great relationships with everyone in her life, she still insists on never needing anyone or anything from anybody. Unfortunately, that might need to change soon. All she could hear was a loud ringing, like that scene in Saving Private Ryan after the bomb had gone off. And then all of a sudden, once everything was said and done, Miriam was being led out to her car with a small box of belongings. She had just been fired from her dream job. The timing couldn't be worse. Her rent had just gone up another $200 a month, and she had only agreed to it because she had budgeted everything with her current position. She didn't know what she was going to do. All of a sudden, her phone rang and snapped her out of her highway hypnosis. It was her boyfriend, Peter. No doubt just calling to wish her good morning, uh, or I love you, or any other boyfriendly sentiment. Miriam tried to answer in her strong and boisterous manner. He was, he was accustomed to, but things have begun... Wait, hold on. I read that wrong. Oh. Uh, boisterous manner, he was accustomed to. But things have begun to get serious lately. Peter knew when something was the matter. Miriam, after, after some prodding, finally told Peter she had been fired. Some bullshit about not progressing in her role the way the company wanted her to. They both knew that it was because her recently promoted boss, ridiculously called Marky, like Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch or some stupid frat boy shit, was a sexist pig and wanted to put some frat brother douche in her role instead of her. Peter asked if he could come to, the, to be with her but, uh, at her apartment, but Miriam just wanted to be alone. After a few days uh, and barely any communication with Peter or, or any of her friends, Peter went over unexpectedly. When he knocked on the door, all he could hear is that weird, sad, ambient music she listens to when things aren't going her way. She let him in and went right back to her laptop looking for a new role at a new company. Admittedly, having Peter there was nice. It was making her feel better. They both plotted burning down her old office to the ground and other crimes they would never actually commit, but it was fun talking about. Peter joked about how Miriam could sign up for OnlyFans or something. They both had a good laugh, and as their, as their time together was ending, they gave each other a big hug, and Peter told her it was all going to be okay. Miriam felt like it was as well. That was six months ago. Miriam has had to move in with Peter. She left in the middle of the night and ditched her lease. She knew her credit was fucked forever, but she didn't have a choice. Peter started holding everything over Miriam's head, especially paying for her food and the place where she lives now, any electricity or any other bills she had before. Miriam has had what feels like 500 interviews and nothing, nothing. Even Starbucks didn't hire her. 
Something has been on her mind, though. Could she be the kind of person that sold her naked pictures online? Would people want to see that? She came to the conclusion that, yes, men will pay to see anybody naked, no matter what they look like. After casually bringing it up to her, to Peter, uh, again, he seemed kind of to the whole idea. He took a few lewds, as they say, and they created her account. When it came time to post the photos, she couldn't do it. She just couldn't face the idea of being recognized by somebody. This angered Peter. His behavior became hostile, and he began berating her about paying, playing her part in the relationship. It was, un, it was an unfair fight, and he warded all the money he had spent on her and, for her and for her over her head. After that, Peter left. Needing to blow off steam, he went to his normal bar. Miriam sat down with her laptop and toyed with the idea of posting these pictures. She ended up making her way to Reddit and visited a woman's quote-unquote side hustle subreddit. post with a ton of upvotes she noticed was called Only Feet. It was all about this woman who has been making buku amounts of money on selling her feet pics. Feet pics in varying positions, covered in various liquids and other items of weird texture. He had it. Miriam was going to sell pics of her feet. That instance, she, she took out her phone and began taking photos of her feet in her bed, on the floor, in her bathtub, and she even cracked a few eggs on the floor and scrambled them with her feet. She found the site the other girl had posted on, created her profile, and posted these photos. Just one problem. After touring the site for a bit, she noticed that all of these other girls had, had well-lit, professional-looking pictures. Miriam took these photos with her very cracked iPhone 8. She stayed up for a while, constantly hitting refresh to see if anybody was subbing and nothing was happening. All of a sudden, her boyfriend came barging into the door. He, he reeked like cheap beer and cigarettes, something Miriam hated. Miriam closed her laptop while Peter sauntered over to seduce her. She said, no fucking way, prompted Peter to uh, lay in the bed and immediately pass out. Miriam went to bed as well and decided that she was not going to look at the site for at least a few days. After a few days had passed, while Peter was at work, Miriam decided to check her page. In the notifications, she saw a dollar sign. She clicked on it and started to weep. $500 was setting in her account. Couldn't believe it. The comments ranged from people loving the amateur style of pictures to the dirtiest of the dirty comments she didn't care to think about any longer. But she didn't care. She was so excited, she went to see how many subscribers she had, and she immediately fell out of her chair. It was a number that the girl from Reddit didn't have in her first month, let alone three days. She began to sift through her mailbox when one message caught her eye. The username was from a Mr. Mortis. It was eloquently written, like a Victorian love letter sent to a wayward lover. At the end of the letter, there was a request. Mr. Mortis offered her a $100 tip if she would privately send her a few pictures of her feet in the mud. Miriam thought to herself, of course, I can do that. 
and immediately took a picture of water to a dirt patch she was trying to turn into a garden outside and made mud. She snapped her photos of her filthy feet and sent them to Mr. Mortis. A few weeks passed, and the money was rolling in. She noticed more girls were suddenly doing amateur-style pics and less pretty and over-the-top pictures. But Miriam was the OG, and people recognized that. Soon, Marion began contributing to the food bill and the utilities and finally rent. This was the most money she had made. Two months later, and she went to check her pages analytics, she saw a name that she had, she had honestly forgotten about. It read Mr. Mortis. And again, brought the same level of over-the-top chivalry she remembered from before. The end, however, did, did, have a did not have a request rather an attachment with an Excel spreadsheet. On said Excel spreadsheet, there were various requests with prices next to them. First on the list was $500 for a 30-second long clip of a dog licking her peanut butter-soaked feet. She laughed at the notion of setting that process up. As she laughed, she read more and began to stare at horror at the last item on the list. It read, for delivery of her severed pinky toe. And the price tag was $75,000. The true horror was that it was nonchalantly right below toenail clippings for $1,000. She slammed her computer shut and just sat there, marinating in the horror of sending this person her severed toe. A few months went by, and her sub's tip started to taper off. She realized she had saved enough money to move back out on her own. When she approached Peter with uh, Peter about needing her own space, he frantically made suggestions for them to move to a bigger space, somewhere that Miriam could have a second bedroom all to herself. After several hours of this fight, she decided that this wasn't working for her. She told Peter that she would stay at a friend's place and she would gather her things at a later date. She had broke up with him. A few months had passed, and her subs had fallen to almost double digits. She was in a new... Uh, girls were doing far filthier things with their amateur-style photos than she was doing, or even willing to do. She was in a new apartment. She saw herself in a familiar spot again. She was losing money fast. She remembered Mr. Mortis's final line on that macabre proposal. Thought about how bad could it be to be missing her pinky toe. She thought that it may even make her page uh, a draw again. Amateur feet pics missing a toe? These weirdos would eat that up. She began looking up ways to do it so that she could not feel the pain. She reached out to Mr. Mortis and let her know, let him know her intentions. And he responded as if agreeing to meet him for afternoon afternoon tea in the garden. However, he did also say he wanted a video of her severing the digit as well. The faithful day had arrived. She smoked enough weed and drank enough vodka to put down a sumo wrestler. And injected this serum into her foot that, that she bought from a back alley med student trying to pay off his student loans. She set up her iPhone on the tripod and, with tears in her eyes, began making her way through the dense flesh and cartilage. 
trying to avoid the actual bone in her toe. The sound of her flesh and tissue severing from her foot would be something she would never forget. The sight of her pinky toe six inches away from her foot in an ice bucket made her pass out. She came to rather quickly and made sure to treat the wound. Uh, there was no pain, that was nice, but she wasn't prepared for the shining levels of blood that, that spewed from her foot. She treated it and then mailed off the severed limb a few days later the way that Mr. Mortis had asked her to. She was horrified at what she had just done for money. Shame isn't even close to what she was feeling. After receiving her deposit of $75,000, she quit posting on the site. She was... She was done and decided to try and go back to work as an HR representative and live a normal life. The ability to walk normally after a few months and she found an... Uh, an average paying position in a, in a role she was familiar with. She was moving past her trauma. She had even gotten her own place, could comfortably afford it. She was meditating and doing yoga, healing physically, but most importantly, mentally. One night after putting away her dishes, out of the, of the putting away her dishes from the dishwasher, she heard a sound coming from the front door. She slowly walked over and noticed someone had slid something under her door. This happened every single day almost. Notes from the leasing office, takeout menus, religious pamphlets, you name it, it probably flew under her door. She went back to cleaning and when she got to her front door, uh, it was an envelope. She picked it up and turned it around. It read, Mr. Mortis, on the front. Inside was a piece of paper with a QR code on it. She shakily pulled out her phone. Uh, out of the waistband of her leggings and scanned it. A video popped up and immediately she recognized her pinky toe sitting on a bed of beautiful summer flowers. Text began to scroll, but the, at the bottom, she read out loud, shakily, I'd like the other one, please. Check your bank account. The video cut off and she immediately got a text notification, which made her drop her phone to the carpet below her. She slowly picked up her phone and saw that it was a deposit notification from her bank. She opened the app. The air was sucked out of her lungs. Five million dollars had been deposited into Miriam's account. Before she had a moment to react, she immediately heard another sound from her front door. It was another envelope with Mr. Mortis's name on the front. She fumbled opening it. And when she did, she read the address. 1725 Slough Avenue and the words one hour she immediately said to herself fuck that I am not going to that place that as the minutes went by she started to believe become afraid of what would happen to her if she didn't go she resigned herself that she was going to lose her other small toe she packed a bag with her mace and those cat ear stabby knuckles her dad gave her and walked to the nearby destination it was 11 p.m. People were still out and about as it was a Friday night. She got to the nearby office building and, walks, and walked inside. He is met with the smell of cleaning supplies and iron in the air. The more she walks, the more pungent those smells become. 
It was dark, but she could hear feet shuffling as if people were hurrying to hide for a surprise party reveal. As she rounded a corner, the smell was intense, almost too intense. And the shuffling of feet was replaced by low hums and what honestly at times sounded like groans or even wails. She made her way to a door with haloing light around it. Miriam felt almost a warmth from the room as if it were full of life. She hastily opened the door, the chemical smell almost choking her at this point and the groans, gasps, and muffled wails were deafening. Laid out in this open space was nothing but bodies. As her eyes began to focus, she noticed it was piles upon piles of wiggling and writhing bodies, just thrown on top of each other. As she inched closer, she noticed that these were easily the bodies of over 100 women. These women had been scalped, their arms and legs had been removed, their eyes were all missing from their heads, their mouths ajar to scream, but no tongue or vocal cords to formulate any sounds. Just a maelstrom of ent entities that should not be. Miriam turned away to run, but a man in a suit was right behind her. He eloquently introduced himself as Mr. Mortis and enthusiastically introduced Miriam to her sister. The rotting bodies falling over each other in desperation for death. Before she could look back at Mr. Mortis, she felt an intense blow to her head, a familiar ringing in her ears, and then blackness. Damn, Damn Jim. <laughs> that was good. I, I again, I'm not a good writer, but I, I hope I was trying to convey like basically like a body, like a rotted body landslide of humanity, like in the room. <laughs> no, I think you did pretty good there, and I I'm <laughs> going to bestow the title of writer upon you because that was excellent. Oh, I, I really appreciate that. <laughs> Seriously, I would I would endeavor you to write another piece next year's show well i had another there were a couple of like I, I could have gone on i had other ideas that i wanted to to like do with that story one of them being that like he kept like like upping what he wanted from her but she had to deliver it so like eventually chopping off her own foot and chopping off her own arm and like just the money being so good and like how the money can corrupt people into doing insane shit and so yeah. I had that idea too, but I feel like that would have been a much longer story. But uh, it was great. Though. Yeah. Thank you. Is it more? Is it Mortis for Rick or Mortis? No. <laughs> there is a, um, like uh, you know, I, I I've been kind of obsessed with the musical genre of dungeon synth lately. One okay. of the big names in dungeon synth is Mortis. And I was listening to Mortis while I was writing this. Oh, and so okay. I just okay. named it Mr. Mortis. <laughs> that um, works. And, and to reading through the comments, I 100% did uh, slide an office, office reference in it. <laughs> I knew hey. Todd would, would catch that. <laughs> Next time, oh. Jim's wife. <laughs> Next time. <laughs> I promise my wife has all of her toes. I promise. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the start of the story was just like, man, this this is this is hitting a little closer to home. 
I uh, yeah, that's what that's what Alyssa was like. I was like, she was like, are you just writing about me? And I was like, no, 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 I promise you, I promise you, I'm not. And, and uh, yeah. God, are you like a are you an abusive boyfriend like Peter? No, Peter was a piece of shit though. Yeah. Peter was a piece of shit. Um, I did have this arc where like where like he would he would like, you know, try to find her and like, you know, finally figured out like doing like dealing with like IP addresses of, of the Mr. Mortis character, like finds the address that like um there was no paper trail to. And then, like, walked in and saw the bodies and then got killed himself or something. But, uh, yeah. Well, very good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I would say okay. I would say not Amaranth and her husband, but, um, oh, I don't goodness. know, was Army Hammer date, you know, dating anybody when he got canceled? I mean, he was married. <laughs> so, he's not married yeah. to that person anymore, right? No, but he was married to her. Okay. And like it's that's when I started to get a little bit uh These were just and let me ask you a question. These these were just like fantasies he had. Like he didn't I'm not justifying that like he doesn't like those are kind of fucked up fantasies, but like I don't did, know he if didn't they were anybody, fantasies. right? I think I think that he then might Then why have. is he not in jail? Um I think that's because like the oh, they can only prove that it was the messages like being sent back and forth about the fantasies. Yeah. Like there hasn't been actual substantial proof been brought up about necessarily like hey this is what happened. Have you ever heard of um, a German guy named Armin Muse? No. <laughs> so it's I, I I will be very brief. Um, in the early 2000s, um, Armin Muse put in like a, um, uh, like a, like, like a, I guess like a classified ads or like a personal personnel ads or whatever, um, looking for a willing volunteer, uh, to be eaten. Um, it was, oh, it was a website called the Cannibal Cafe. Um, it was people just to interact with people with a cannibalism fetish. Um, and he was looking for a person that he could uh, eat, and somebody volunteered for it, and he um, murdered them and ate them, and yeah, uh, um, he, you know, they figured it out, um, and they arrested him in 2002, and he is still in jail, but I, I believe he gets out sometime soon. Yeah. Um, he has since oh. become a vegetarian in prison. Oh, wow. Yeah. Good for yeah, him. It's on, uh, if y'all have, haven't listened to the song, I believe it's by Rob Candor or Cantor. Apologize. Um, actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. Labouf, Labuff, uh, very good. Um, okay. That was fun. That was fun to write. Well, I'm glad you did it. I think it was it was very well done. Um, I want to go check to see if my wife is actually worried about me now. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, I was about to say, she's like, is it, it, well, it's not only that, but it's also, um, like, just making sure she's not cutting off any pinkies. No, she wrote, she just texted me. Okay, for five million dollars, I'm cutting off my pinky toe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it'd be fucking painful, but five million dollars, you know. I think that's a that's a great, you know, indicative thing. Like, it, it shows um, just the lengths people would go to get that much money. Yep. Oh, I think you got uh, another one, right? I do. Uh, so this one is called Wicca. Oh. I um, a of those in high school. <laughs> I think we all um, did. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. All right. <clears throat> I hate the woods. I'm not sure why I felt drawn to them this evening as the sun dipped below the hills. It's long goodbye nearly concluded. The woods behind my house are something that I tend to ignore, especially at night. Nighttime is locked doors and safety time. There are too many dangerous things in the world to contend with without worrying about the woods on top of all of that. Yet, and yet, I am making my way into the thick brambles and underbrush, my boots sinking into thick mud from the rain that had been plaguing us for over a week now. I had no particular direction that I wished to attend to. My body was just moving forward on its own, its machinations well beyond my deeper understanding. It was almost as if I was an observer with no control and no hands on the steering wheel. Deeper into the wild I trundled, scraping against thick bark and wet leaves, wondering how deep this went. Was I going to be trespassing at some point? The trespassing thing flickered across my brain as I stumbled into a clearing, and in the middle of the clearing was a square building. It wasn't too large, it was made of cinder blocks with a low roof made of cracked plastic. Vines and greenery had attempted to take back what originally belonged to nature. There is a rusty iron door, which conveniently, maybe not so conveniently, was open. I took my flashlight out and peered inside. There were several beer cans strewn about the floor, and condom wrappers, too. I rolled my eyes. Not the most ideal place to have sex. The only other thing that caught my eye was a hatch in the middle of the floor, which was also open. Wheezing my way in, I pointed my flashlight down, but noticed that I did not have to. There were torches lit all the way down. My brain screamed at me to stop. But I didn't stop. In fact, I began to climb down. As I descended, I began to shiver. Fuck, it was freezing. My boots hit solid grounds and my fingers released the ladder to face a hallway. Turning around, I froze. There was someone standing at the end. She was pretty. Light brown hair, a pale face. But her smile was unnerving. It's the type of smile where you aren't in on a joke. Probably because you are the root of the joke. The girl extended one long finger and bid me to walk towards her. So I did. I'm not sure why. We walked for a while down the hallway until we reached a door painted solid red. I tried to speak, but my throat forbade it. So the only sound of my breathing taped it. He reached for the doorknob and darkness. 
I walked in the darkness, pitch black except for a single strand of light that lit some sort of pedestal. The door shut behind me. I did not care. I shuffled towards the pedestal and saw there was a dusty leather book. I reached out to touch it and a voice surrounded me. Take the book if you must, but this much you must trust. Your soul will be mine to take as soon as you wake. If it is power that you seek, be not weak. For I will devour you bit by bit until you reside in the pit. Lento Mori. I asked myself if I craved power. What was power, really? But apparently my body wanted it, because before I could stop myself, I had opened the book and all went pitch black. Something slapped against the glass window of my bedroom, and I awoke with a start. I was in my bed at home, and apparently it had all been a dream. What a relief. I got up from the bed and yawned and stretched, shaking off all of the weirdness that I had endured while I was asleep. My shoulder ached gently. I must have slept on it. Stumbling into the bathroom, I began to brush my teeth slowly. It was a Monday, and I had to go to work so I wasn't really into it. I rinsed my mouth out, blearily looked into the mirror, and then screamed. The girl from the dream was behind me, floating, her eyes white. Her mouth was latched onto my shoulder, chewing slowly. I turned and tried to throw her off of me, but when I turned to face her, she was not there. I turned back into, to look into the mirror, and there she was, now smiling. Your soul is tasty. Could fill me up for several years. We're going to be fast friends, she crooned. I slowly backed away from the mirror and walked into my bedroom, my shoulder beginning to hurt again. On the bed was the book for my dream. Picking it up, I had stared at it before rifling through its pages. They were gruesome, some, and hard to look at. But I had gotten myself into this mess, and I would need to get out of it now. The end. That was good. Um, oh, I I I love Memento Mori, so so that's oh. yeah. I don't know. I uh, it took me where a, did that a one come bit. from? Just just thinking. I literally yeah. just the other night. In fact, I didn't intend to write a second piece. Um, I was bored the other night, and again put on my like ambient rain and. St- spooky study thing mm-hmm. and uh i was like all right let me start writing and see what happens i like it i like it. that's the genesis of almost all my stories i just start writing yeah. and see what happens yeah i uh i need i need like a subject i need like a thing um in my instance you know the conversation of always you know can i sell my feet to get some money <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's like different things will spark it. Um, there's actually a side story that I'm writing right now. And I'm going to tell you where it started. It was, we were sitting at Torchies. And for those who don't know, Torchies is like a taco place. Um, or in queso. For the, the queso For the non-Texans. The queso is out. And 
I was thinking of like someone who'd be so um presumptive or not presumptuous, but uh so full of themselves that they would be like, excuse me, another queso, please. And then they'll be like, well, that's, you know, an extra five dollars. And I'm like, oh no, it's free for me. <laughs> I think. Oh that yeah. Then that then evolved into a guy who receives a signet ring from his dad when his dad passes away. And uh, <laughs> that would be Utah who pays, refuses to pay for refill queso. <laughs> so he gets a signet ring and he, he remembers as a child that the dad was like, this signet ring is so important. Everyone will respect you when you wear oh, it. Oh, Yeah. And so that's that part of it is, is he goes into a restaurant. He goes into a Mexican place. He orders queso with his signet ring on, and he flashes <laughs> the signet ring and goes, "Ah, yes, my signet ring will give me the free queso." And he's very <laughs> let down when the signet <clears throat> ring doesn't give him free queso. Um, he then finds out that the signet ring actually grants him admission to a dinner club or a supper club. Okay. That has been making dinner every single night for the past 45 years. And it's just like boiled chicken. And, and well, I haven't gotten there yet. I haven't gotten okay, to describe. Okay, okay. Actually, no, okay. the, the meals themselves are very elaborate. But Harmy Hammer's Club, it's people. <laughs> but I open a restaurant, I'm going to call it Army Hammer. I mean, that's perfect. <laughs> But he basically uh, finds out that there's only three members of this club left. And he goes to this place and he's like, you know what? I really need, I want to revive this supper club. I want to bring it back to its former glory. And that's as far as I've gotten so far. Okay. I like that. I like all that. that from, all that from Torchy's queso. <laughs> uh, I think a good story um, would be, uh if like i just like a like night of the living karen and like just like how far a, like a karen would go to like get her way and like she just starts slaughtering people you know some somebody people... that that movie will be made by somebody someday i mean some people just have zero um comprehension of how yes. normal no... mundane that they are yep. in the world like um, I, I, my TikTok algorithm is mostly like Karen videos and like the lack of self awareness, um, yeah. and the lack of shame and the lack of like just common decency. Uh, yeah, it's very strange. <laughs> People are very strange. Um, I, I want to say Todd that they actually licensed Boylant from movie or or maybe it's just because the rights are so old now i don't know there's a band um, called soylent green but they they didn't they didn't spell it with a y well and i i i you know a few things is like first off if you're making a company you you almost want to like completely distance yourself from that right but instead, they're like, no, we're going to lean hard into it. We're going to call her you know, the company that's based off of this film. But like the FAQ, 
um, I feel like has to address this in some form or fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, we know that there's a Hollywood movie that is an adaptation and involves people. See below. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, I just... I. <sighs> I got one more and then if you want to if you want to wrap it up um you know the, after that we can we can move we can we can end this bad boy I, I think we shall let's uh let's see what we got all right sorry about that all right let me just get the story all right, there we go. All right, you ready? Yep. All right, cool. Dick Cheney woke up in a dark room. He then took in his surroundings. The whole room was dark except for a single light hung from the ceiling. He was lying on a table face down, and he tried to move, but he couldn't. Dick looked down and realized to his shame that he was naked on the table, bearing it all. He felt a <laughs> you deep tugging on his you what? lied to me. What? What? The people need to hear the Dick Cheney you erotic fan fiction. Lied to me. I didn't lie to anybody. You told I me. I lied for the. I lied for the greater good. Oh my god. People need to hear the Dick Cheney erotic fan fiction. And here's the thing that says, "Cut me off after a bit." I just saw that message. <laughs> And boy, am I cutting you off now. Oh, One day, God. I'll get to read it. I, You know what? You should have your own podcast. <laughs> on your own channel. Nothing to do with ranting media. Just just literally start broadcasting and put it on Twitch. To just be like, uh, lovely readings of Dick Cheney erotic fan fiction <laughs> by Jim yeah. Keel. Sounds of the Void, right? Oh man, that'd be like the sounds of the floor. That's where you just like end the entire episode. Or into your entire career. You're no longer conductor of the void. <laughs> I'm conductor of the Dick Ch- the Dick Cheney fucking erotic fan fiction is what I So up. wait, hold on. The the going to be reading from the classics, was that all just a ruse? So, so, <laughs> no, I, so those are actually, if, if for the people that are, um, or for anybody that's not in like our Slack channel, uh, I posted a picture earlier of, um, the three scary stories to tell in the dark books. I have, I have one, two and three. And I, I was like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to read a couple of these. Um, and I, uh, you know, I was like, yeah, I can read these, but they are, I don't know if you've read any of these lately. They are very kiddish. Um, to think that I was ever afraid of these or when I was a kid was is crazy. Um, so I was like, you know what? Fuck it. People need to hear the, the notion of Dick Cheney getting his fucking rocks off to Bill Clinton. And every year, I'm just, just going to try and make sure y'all do hear it. Oh my goodness! Listen, um... <laughs> I definitely shared this live. Uh, 
I definitely shared this live on my Facebook page, and I definitely have like very supportive aunts and uncles that were like, "Oh, let's hear it. <laughs> <laughs> let's listen to Jim talk about this." Yeah, first of all, Jim. Oh, Jim wrote a story. It's called Only Feet. Oh, that sounds I mean, fun. <laughs> listen, I mean that's great. And my in-laws and shit. Oh my goodness. I, I married your know. daughter. I just don't know what to say, Jim. Uh, <laughs> my uh, mother-in-law comes over, like checks on my wife's feet <laughs> just to make sure they're there still. <laughs> I mean, Next I can year, I can read spooky fanfic. I can read part of another story that I'm reading or writing. Reading. Oh, I mean, if you here, I can do. I can do. Let's let's here. Which you've one? got you've got something. Oh, I've got. I literally have post-it notes. That, oh, like, like, look at yeah. you. All right. Is this is this <clears throat> is this Ted Cruz? And we'll end it with some classics. Well, no, we'll end it with some classics. Okay. This one is called the thing. Ted Martin and Sam Miller were good friends. They spent a lot of time together. On this particular night, they were sitting on a fence near the post office talking about one thing or another. Field of turnips across the road. Suddenly, they saw something crawl out of the field and stand up. It looked like a man, the dark it was hard to tell for sure. Then it was gone. But soon it appeared again. It walked halfway across the road then it turned around and went back into the field. Then it came out a third time and started toward them. By now, Ted and Sam were scared. They started running. But when they finally stopped, stopped, they decided they were being foolish. They weren't sure what had scared them. So they decided to go back and get a better look. Pretty soon they saw it. For it was coming to meet them. It was wearing black pants, a white shirt, and black suspenders. Sam said, I'm going to try to touch it. Then we'll know if it's real. He walked up to it and peered into its face. It had bright, penetrating eyes sunk deep in its head. It looked like a skeleton. Ted took one look and screamed. Again, he and Sam ran, but this time the skeleton followed them. When they got to Ted's house, they stood in the doorway, watched it. It stayed out in the road for a while. Then it disappeared. A year later, Ted got sick and died. Toward the end, Sam sat up with him every night. The night Ted died, Sam said he looked just like the skeleton. That's that's Dun, it. Dun, <laughs> Dun. So yep, yeah, that's um the skull. I bought these I bought these these books. I can't remember if these are the ones that like were mine from childhood or if I, I bought these somewhere else. But if if any, everybody remembers scary stories to tell in the dark, if you go to go to a bookstore and buy them now, have they don't have the same art. There was some dispute uh years and years and years ago between the artist and I guess the publisher or whatever. And so it's, it's this weak ass art. So, yeah. you explain the Five Nights at Freddy's timeline? Uh, 
I have never ever played any any seconds of Five Nights at Freddy's. Holy uh, shit! Yeah, there's so many things. That's not even like, like I don't even. Is there a timeline? Is it not just like security cameras at Chuck E. Cheese? Like that's what I thought it was. Oh, there's Five Nights at Freddy's two, three, four, Sister Location, Pizzeria Simulator. Help wanted security breach, and then there's spinoffs. There's Five Nights at Freddy's World, Special Delivery, Freddy in Space Two. I it just keeps going on. That's weird. I I didn't I didn't know that it was that big of a thing. Oh, and there's a novel. Wow. What a what a treat. Oh, Andy's from Houston. The creator of the game. Yep. Good for him. He is a devout Christian. <laughs> That's weird. That, isn't that always the case, though? Yeah. Because I feel like the... I feel like, and maybe I'm completely wrong, but I feel like R.L. Stein is even like religious. Um, I can see that. And you know, he was he talk about childhood horror. That's it. Arl Stein also um, uh, wrote a TV show uh, called Allegra's Castle. And it was on Nick Jr. when I was a kid, which is just so weird. Sorry to interrupt. Do you mean Eureka's Castle? Eureka's Castle. Because there was another show called Allegra's Window. Fascinating. He's still going, man. I know, dude. It's it. The guy has to be worth so much money. He's seventy nine years old. He is. He's almost eighty. Well, I think on that note, <laughs> I think we are probably right about an hour. Cool. Uh, I wish you all a very happy Halloween. Yes. Thank you all for tuning in to Spooky Scary Skeletons Volume watch, 5. Watch Hellraiser. Don't the new Hellraiser. Don't watch Halloween Ends. Yeah, I've heard such terrible things. <laughs> uh, did you already watch it? The actors that are in the movie are complaining about how awful their experience was making it. Well, did you already watch it? No, I'm not going to watch it. Okay. We watched the uh, the original Exorcist the first time the other night. Oh God, it's so it's one of my favorite movies of all time. There was uh, there was a couple scenes where it was like uh, typical like seventies films where sure. you have zero context about what's happening. Oh, but I love that, and I'm I like, want more of that. There, it's the scene where he like uh, sees his mom like on the subway stop. Oh yeah. And he just like starts running towards her. And Julia's like, what the fuck is happening? I was like, I think he's <laughs> dreaming. I'm pretty yes. sure he's dreaming. If um, you ever get a chance to read the book, uh, the book is phenomenal. Did you read like the behind the scenes of that, by the way? Oh, yeah. Dude, I, I feel like a, about 85% of that was manufactured just to create more hype for it. It's like 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 a viral video, but from like nineteen seventy four. Yeah, no, no, right. you're 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 probably correct. Um, but I I have a feeling it's like that for a lot of 
horror movies of the time, like The Omen. The only one I think it was legit would be for like Poltergeist, you know, because all the all the the curses and death and stuff happened after it had come out. Yeah, that's one of those things where like I haven't watched all of I would consider the classic horror movies, so I haven't seen Omen. I think I've seen Poltergeist. Um, would you consider Leprechaun to be a classic? I don't consider it to be a classic, but I consider it to be a must-watch. Especially Leprechaun in the Hood. That oh, is, is a great movie. That's definitely one of those where I'm just not certain I would ever watch. That came out in two. Th- Hold on. Jim, did you know there's In the Hood and then Back to the Hood? Uh, and, and Back to the Hood was like pretty recent. Uh, 2003. Oh, okay, okay. There's well, a and Leprechaun I know that there, Returns? There is, yes, and, and the Leprechaun is um, this this um, little person who was also a WWE wrestler named Hornswoggle, and I think it's a <laughs> WWE-produced movie. Wow. Yeah. I mean, why not? <laughs> uh, I watched I watched a movie the other night called uh, Deadstream, and it's okay. it's literally eighty eighty six minutes long. It's so short, and it's this guy who got like he was like a streamer and he got canceled uh, for being like a, just a shitty person, uh, and he decides to try to like reinvent his channel and goes into this supposedly haunted house and live streams it and it's it's very like tongue-in-cheek and like definitely you have to like be aware of like streamer culture and stuff like that to really enjoy it but for what it was it was it was very good it was very funny and it was very gory at times but i thought it was clever so there's a movie that's supposed to be coming out it has justin long in it I love Justin Long. Um, yeah, I know. I know. Barbarian. He was the, 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 oh, Barbarian is so good. Oh, you're, you've seen it? It came out last month. Yeah, Alyssa and I, the, my wife and I saw it. Is it on streaming already? I don't know if it's on streaming, but I I highly recommend it. It's very good. Yeah, I've, I've heard all good things. Um, I'm not sure if it can beat out the... 22 hit um starring jared leto uh morbius um but you know <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry should i watch I was... that no fuck no it, it's <laughs> one of those so bad it's good no there's no redeeming qualities about morbius and i feel I, so bad I, have come for... to the conclusion, I don't think i've talked to anybody about this i've come to the conclusion that i i will not watch a movie that's part of a franchise anymore. I, I don't I don't I just don't want to. Wait, did you watch Rings of Power? Movie movie that's part of a franchise. Like I don't want to watch yeah, a DC I, I movie understand. or a Marvel movie. I'm just I'm done. I, I will never watch any more of them. But but did you finish Rings of Power? No, no, I have not. Did you start it? Yeah, we had a whole podcast about it. Well, I know, but did you, when I say did you start it? Did you get past the first like two episodes? Yes, yes, yes. I'm on episode five. 
Oh, okay. I only got the last three. Um, Todd, that's a great question. He says, doesn't that knock out a ton of horror movies? Not necessarily. If you've already watched like, Let me all rephrase of those that. horror movies. Yeah. Let me rephrase that. Maybe not, maybe not franchises. I just don't want, I don't like, like you, you could easily universe. You can easily just that. say, I don't want to watch cinematic universes anymore. There we go. That's, that's, that's it. Yep. And that's I don't perfectly, want to watch cinematic universes. That's perfectly fine. I personally, someone asked me earlier today, they're like, do you want to watch Black Adam? And I was like, I'm not really that interested in that. I'm going to be yeah, honest with you. I couldn't care less. Um, there is a scene at the end, which I, which I will not spoil, because obviously it's, I don't even think it's out in theaters yet, that leaked. That part I was excited about, uh, but that was about it. <laughs> I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I wouldn't, go to the actual theater to watch it. Um, I definitely don't think I would uh, stream it at home. Um, I don't know. There's just so much original things to watch now. Yes. Like, uh, if you have, if even if you don't have Apple TV, do like a, just a, a subscription, like a trial of it and watch Severance. That was an excellent oh, show. Oh, with Adam Scott? I've heard that was very good. It was very good. Um, but like, I don't know. We watched Nope. We watched Prey. Oh, my um, wife watched that. She said it was really good. I do want to watch it. Prey, Prey was excellent. I've heard yeah, I've heard it's excellent from people. Um, nope was, I'm still kind of oh, on the I fence about. Nope. Uh, I'm I still kind of nope. on the fence about. Uh, <laughs> just because it was one of those... Yeah, I think she liked it. I think she liked it. I don't think she. I, I really like, liked Nope. So I, I amazing, love. But... I love Get Out. Get Out is an excellent movie. I think Us is a good movie, but it's not as good as Get Out. And I thought That's Nope kind was of, better than Us. I think. I think this is kind of my problem. Get Out was so good. Us right? was just. Us was just weird. And then Nope, like, kind of tries to return back to that, like, original state. And then they just dial up the weird even more. And it doesn't Oh, but I love me. that. I love it didn't, that. It, they didn't work for me as well. So, I love weird. <laughs> um, things, Jim, I, I know we've talked about this, but things you should not watch this Halloween, The Monsters. Don't watch it. I got, I got to. I'm going to watch, watch it. it. I have to. Oh, you haven't you haven't watched it yet. No, I haven't yet. Oh god, it was so painful, dude. I and and like what sucks is like Rob Zombie is somebody that I I I would trust with that franchise. Uh cuz the Monsters is one of my favorite like like quote unquote monster and I, properties. And I saw of, and I saw that you said that he didn't get to yeah. produce the vision, but I'm going to throw this out here. The only thing that I could find of him saying that was is that they didn't let him shoot it in black and white. Everything in black else and was, white, yep. was was his. Yeah. Everything and, else and he it, said was was his original vision, it, like as is. And if that's the case, I it was rough, bud. I I, 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 even, like I, said, I do want to watch it. I do want to watch it, but 
you know, I don't know. Maybe I'll maybe I'll watch the um just the show again. I got the I got the DVDs of the whole series, so we actually recently downloaded um the Adams Family. The series. Why do that when you can just download the monsters? Just saying. So <laughs> alright, well that being said, thank you all for joining us for Soupy 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 B Super can't even talk now. Wow. Spooky scary skeletons volume. What five. happens to you when you like the Adams family? My God. I mean, it's better than the monsters. I'm sorry. It's not. Anyways. Team Monsters. <laughs> Team Adams family. Um yeah. So thank you tonight for joining me, Jim. As always. Thank you, Todd, for producing mm-hmm. uh, slash seducing in the background. Mm-hmm. Y'all have a great Halloween. Stay disgusting. Spooky, scary skeletons and shivers. Instagram.com slash sounds of the void. <laughs> There's a lot of time in between that. <laughs> so much time, in fact, that I had already pressed stop recording. User in your channel. Stop streaming. I mean...